The Start On Demand. On demand. Lotto Max jackpot is a record $70 million tonight. So we'll talk about some of the hype, some of the excitement, and what you would do with that much money. When you find out important news, big news on social media about someone you're close with, do you get annoyed? Iran is vowing harsh vengeance after their top general was killed in a U.S. airstrike ordered by President Donald Trump. And we're going to try to make math fun with a Winnipeg math teacher who also created a game which looks super fun called Mathopoly. I'm Brett McGarry alongside Greg Mackling and Loren McNabb. Yes, all three of us back together again. We are Mackling, McGarry and McNabb. And this is the Friday, January 3rd podcast for The Start. Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb. We were trying to remember when's the last time the three of us were in this room together. I want to say it's been a month. I'm so I'm I'm back at my usual seat. I don't know what I'm doing over here. It all feels weird. I'm not used to having you all in the room at once. It's too bad. It's only going to be a one-time deal because <laughs> I'm winning that Lotto Max oh, and I'm yeah. out of here this okay. weekend, suckers. <laughs> Do you really think you can say that out loud? Don't you have? To, is that is that a fair statement to say? Like without what does it say it out loud that, that I'm going to win? That you'd be quitting? Oh yeah, absolutely. Really? I think you have to go with I'm, I'd work for a bit and no, see how that goes. I wouldn't. <laughs> there was actually was it recently? not with that much money. There was a Spanish reporter recently yes. who uh, announced she'd won a lottery on air and quit her job. Only to, I'm just trying to, I can't remember. The payout was like 3000 7500 bucks. 7500 bucks. And she went crazy, like, oh my gosh, I'm taking time. And she just started losing it. And then everyone was like, first of all, she's running the lottery. How did she just win? Like, she's no. reporting on it, not running it, but you know, like doing the reporting. And then she had to come on and apologize to say, like, obviously she just <laughs> meant she's taking a vacation. And yeah, then, so obviously that's what she meant. <laughs> <laughs> well, 7500 bucks. I, I thought there was a missing zero when I read that story. Well, no kidding. I was like, surely the zero has been lost in translation and it was at least 75,000 bucks, yeah. you know, which would buy you maybe a couple years depending how good you are with your money, right? But no. Mm-mm. Yeah, she thought she had won, I think, like 400,000 euros or something to that extent. Oh, hang on. Uh, she pulled the woman. <laughs> Come on. I don't know. She thought she won way more than yes. she got. And so she anyway, lost it. She yeah. lost it on air. So yeah. yeah, that's funny. So uh, I will double check the numbers and the math yeah, what before if it's I make 70 any. Bucks? I make before I make any <laughs> declarations this weekend. Yeah, but that's a huge jackpot. Yeah, I was thinking about that yesterday. Like, because I always like to think about okay, who could I? How much could I share mm-hmm. and still be able to retire and live comfortably? And uh, I would actually have to really sit down with like an abacus and figure out, okay, what do I need for myself and my family? And then mm-hmm. how much can I afford to give away? Right. At 70 million though, you don't even need to think about it. In what sense you don't need to think about it? Like there's enough, there's so much there that everybody benefits. Well, of course. Where but how do you go about that? I had a very detailed... do you have detailed... a plan in place already? You have to have a plan in place already. Well, you start a foundation, I think, is what you do. Mm-hmm. And you defer all these crazy requests that come out of the woodwork to that foundation. You got yes. to set up a board and all that sort of stuff. Oh, I've thought about it. Mm-hmm. Trust me. <laughs> I've, I've interviewed people who've won smaller amounts, like 12 or 11 million. And the letters they get, they had boxes of letters from sure. people saying things like please help me, you know, I've had this health situation Mm -hmm. or I'm a truck driver, I'm looking for a new truck or like just all sorts of requests. And it was really hard for them because you feel bad, but it's not, 
in that case, it's not an endless supply. But that's why you start a foundation. Sure. So you, you just put that aside and you create a board and, and a, you help as many people as you can. And I've often said the first thing I would go out and do before I paid off my own mortgage is pay off the mortgages of my co-hosts and my and my siblings. And then we kind of go from there because mm-hmm. I don't think there's any better gift you could give someone than to live mortgage free. Mm-hmm. If you're living, you know, if, if you have a house and, and you're purchasing a house, Brett, I don't know what we do about you. We'd have to figure something out. Buying the building he's living in. Oh, Ooh. but the whole building. And then the you become like, a, building? you could call it the McGarry back, Towers. Back off. You'd be McNabb. like Trump, but like in a, yes. in a different way. I love it. Back, yes. back, back, back up the he, truck. That's where McNabb. he lives, Greg. You mm. said you'd buy him his home. <laughs> and, said and I'd ma- pay off his mortgage. There's a big f- difference. You could also fix the hot tub, too. I was sitting in the hot tub in our building a couple of days ago, and I thought, this is really foamy. And then I got a, a, a letter through the door saying, somebody put, like, shampoo or some oh, chemical no. in the tub on New Year's Eve, so mm. we got to shut it down and do a deep clean. So no kidding. Maybe you could uh, you could build me a second uh, hot tub. Just okay, that's a, a deal. That's yeah, a deal. That sounds great. So All right. we'll talk more about Lotto Max, the big jackpot, in our next segment. And then at 645, we're going to have a conversation about social media and I guess the social norms that are ever changing in terms of the way news is shared. Do you feel slighted if you learn something important about someone you are close with, but you learn about it first on social media? It's become the easiest way to share information for example, when I switched jobs a year and a half ago, I told people in my family, and then I went, as soon as the day was happening, I was like, here's the news, this is what's going on, and that was the fastest and quickest way to let everybody know. And so it's a positive thing in that way, but then if you're on the other end where you didn't get the note, you're like, oh, thanks for, aren't we best friends, or aren't we sisters, or aren't we like husband and wife, depending on what you're doing, and I come I didn't find out about this, I right? think you find out quite quickly where you are in the pecking order. Exactly. So that's In a terms good... of the news and, and the news wire and how it all comes down, it, like I think there are different levels of, of information. I, on Seinfeld, they used to talk about the different kinds of phone calls, right? The walk and talk. Uh, but you mean you were walking and, and talking at the same time? <laughs> that doesn't have the same feeling as a call from a landline versus the the call that you get while someone's driving. Mm-hmm. Oh, geez, you weren't even pulled over when you, when you told the individual that news, right? So there's a different list of, of priorities. There's the landline call. There's the cell phone call. There's the cell phone call when you're doing something else, doing your dishes, driving the car or something. And then in terms of Text messaging, is it a group text? Is it an individual text? Is it on Facebook? Is it a direct message? There's all these different levels of communication. And depending on how you got the news, you realize where you fit in in the relationship with the person delivering the news, and then I you think. got to throw in FaceTime. If I get a FaceTime, I'm, I know that I don't need to pay attention to that call at all. What do you mean? It drives me nuts. People just staring at you, walking around. <laughs> it's so great for the kids because they can talk to their cousins, but they're basically just, you know, Auntie, look, come, come into my room. And they're holding it up at a weird angle and you're staring at the ceiling. They're like, I want to show you what I got for Christmas. And you're like, kid, I can't see anything. Turn the camera around. I hate them. I thought the FaceTime call would be the ultimate of all the calls, right? No. Now. Only if I, it might be if you're in like just like I'm say you're telling someone you're pregnant or you're showing off an engagement ring, and beyond that they're just I don't want them. 
at all. Write it down. Don't ever FaceTime me. I don't have an Apple phone, so uh, I can't Thank God you can't FaceTime me from Gary I, Towers later while you're in your hot tub. He's <laughs> so creepy. With my harem. No, but I... I <laughs> <laughs> Just your arms around everybody. Did, did I miss something over the last few yes, days? I do not uh, maybe. ever want to be part of that conversation. <laughs> uh, but I, I guess I could Facebook call you because I've, I've had that. I've yeah, had the Facebook those video are great. chat. And I thought that's kind of... That was kind of neat when I first had it. I didn't know what it was. I, I, I got my phone started making this weird sound, and I got this strange notification, so I reluctantly swiped on it and thought, hello, and it was a video call. All I think when I get those calls is that you get distracted by yourself, and you're like, am I this old? Are those my wrinkles? Is that, oh, that looks like a cold sore's coming. And I'm just like... <laughs> Not paying any attention to you anymore. Hmm. I wonder why it's the all about me generation. There you go. So, of course, the big Lotto Max jackpot tonight is... $100 billion. (laughs) Okay, maybe it's not that high. I knew that was coming and that still made me laugh. (laughs) It's obviously not that much, but it's still a lot. And it could be the start of a very good year for Lotto players. Global's Julia Wong reports... Isidro Manabo is a little giddy. Friday's Lotto Max jackpot is $70 million, the biggest lottery windfall ever in Canada. Oh my god, I'm excited for them. Manabo and her husband bought Royal Convenience Store last August. It's the, the biggest one that since we opened the store, I said, oh, it's really big amount. She says sales are roughly double what they normally are. People are not, it's not only one time, give me another quick pick. And then they have their own uh, number. Okay, give me this one and give me another quick pick. The Western Canada Lottery Corporation says half of its sales typically come the day of the draw. They say interest in the prize so far has been strong. It's the big numbers that get people really excited. It's what gets them out to the store. It's what gets people... uh, co-workers and family members to to get together and decide that they want to play together. The prize has people talking. Could think of a lot of things to do with that. Uh, yeah, that's a ridiculous amount. I'd quit my job. I want some time freedom. Yeah, that's what I'm su- searching for. Manabo's husband is buying a ticket, and if they win, she wants to give back. Lots of poor people in the Philippines. That's one thing that I can do. She may get that chance if luck is on her side, and she'll need it. The odds of winning Friday's jackpot, roughly one in 33 million. Julia Wong, Global News. So there's a chance. You're telling me there's a chance. Someone's going to win it. Someone in Canada. And then when you talk about this whole idea of it being one in 33 million, one person has already won $50 million in Manitoba in the Lotto Max in the last decade, right? Mm -hmm. So really, when you look at that one in a million chance... I'm willing to take that at 10 bucks or 5 bucks every week or every other week. I usually don't buy a $10 ticket. I did yesterday. Mm-hmm. And while I'm listening to that, I'm thinking to myself, why is 75 million enticing people? What, 50 million isn't enough for you? That ticket sales are actually double what they normally are because of this big jackpot? Well, it's the biggest ever, and it, there's there's the whole fear of missing out thing, which That's is a true. genuine thing. Could even be that whole I don't mob mentality implies a negative connotation, but there is certainly that that group the effect that the group mm-hmm. has on your psyche and your decision to get involved. And That's you a get good into point. a gas station or a convenience store, and you see that line, and you might not have even thought about it, and then you're like, oh, I'm here. What's you wouldn't have noticed a line before, maybe, right? Now you're like, what's everybody lining up for? Oh, I might as well do it. I don't know. That's yeah. a good point. It's the dream. 
Who doesn't want to dream for the next 12 hours that this could be them? Mm. Yeah. I mean, someone's got to win. Somebody's got to win. And as we say, you can't win without a ticket. And if it's Greg, he's not going to be here on Monday. And it'll just be McGarry and McNabb. And, uh, but and you Jeff will be Fortier. owning a tower. Oh, yeah. What? And Je- and Jeff, are you in an apartment <laughs> building that he can buy for you? Oh, yeah. If you want to buy me my apartment building, that, that'd be nice. We could call Consider it Fortier's <laughs> Fortress. Ooh. Oh, I like that. Yeah. I like that a lot. Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb back together. Kelly Moore is here. Clay Young is here. Jeff Forte. And we're talking this morning about social media and whether or not you get annoyed if you learn important news about someone you're close to, like some, like a good friend, a family member. You learn news about them on social media before they've taken the time to tell you personally. And we had someone text us saying, I found out that my pregnant daughter had a baby girl on Facebook before her or my son-in-law had a chance to call me with the exciting news. I was so not impressed. And they say that the post was not from the daughter or Mm son-in-law. So that's what made them so upset. Not their news to share. Yeah, we have a little bit of a rule in my family with regards to sharing news that isn't yours to share. It sometimes breaks down, but that's kind of been the mantra in in our circle for a long time is to, you know, you keep it to yourself until such time it's obvious that everybody knows the news, whatever it might be, good, bad, or otherwise. Do you have you ever felt like you've been out of the loop, Clay, and, and read something in social media and go, it would have been nice if somebody would have told me about X, Y, or Z. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's, uh, it's, it's, I, I don't think it's, they're doing this on purpose to hurt you, but it, you know, I did have that happen with a friend of mine and I sent him a private message. Um, don't you think it would have been nice if you had told me this before I'm reading about it on Facebook? And what was his reaction? Well, he said, I thought I'd just send it out there. So every, yeah, but I'm your friend. Mm-hmm. And he was, ta- he was talking, yeah, he was talking about a, a medical condition that he had. But he's got 500 other Facebook friends. So I mean, the but I'm the- a personal friend. <laughs> <laughs> but that's, that becomes the thing, that's right? That's the whole like, point. Where do you fit? Where's my? Yeah. Where's your line? I definitely think like you have family that you have to let know in a personal way, you know. And there's maybe a list that you have to think about. But when you start extending it to friends, you know, then you have the fifth friend or the seventh friend and the ninth friend who says, "Well, why didn't I get the phone call or the private message?" It becomes hard. Like Facebook's a really good way just to say, like, boom, here it is. This is my news. Go with it. What did you think, Kelly? Well, I don't really go on social media that yeah. much, so it's yeah. I I try to rack my brain to think if there's ever been uh, a time. I know we just went through a little bit of a uh, situation. It wasn't like it became public news. I was having a conversation with somebody in my family about another extended family member uh, being pregnant for the first time, and so they told us. Uh, you know, hey, we're telling you this on the QT, but wait till they announce it on Facebook. Mm-hmm. You know, so sometimes it's you know, if you don't get that message, then all of a sudden you you know you, you send them out, hey, congratulations on it. You know, well, you weren't supposed to know yet, and and, and so those things kind of slip out a little bit, but uh, that that hasn't happened too often. But I I don't know, like I just I if if that's their prerogative, if they want to spread the news before telling you, well, then so be it. Just, but does it qualify as well? I told you that. 
Well, no, you didn't. You put it on Facebook, and I haven't been on Facebook in a month. Yeah. Well, that's part of the problem, the you. assumption that everybody's on Facebook every single day, reading every single post. It's, that's not the way it goes. And, and sometimes, actually, with the way the algorithms have worked out, you end up reading the same people's good point feeds too. over and over again. So you might not even have seen that at all. So you have to think about, is this really getting out to the widest possible audience? That happened to me a couple of years ago. There was something... Pretty significant that happened uh, in one of my friends' lives with some old co-workers. And uh, I said, like, what the hell's going on here? And he said, dude, we've been talking about this on Facebook for months. And I said, well, I I don't really go on Facebook that often. So you can't assume that everyone on your Facebook page is going to see your post. Um, But I know for me personally with Facebook, this had to do with my ex back in 2013. I didn't want to post on social media that my relationship had ended, but it was a week before our wedding social, and I felt compelled to post and say, listen, uh, I don't want to make a big deal out of this. Our relationship has ended mutually, but our social's in a week. If you bought a ticket... I will get you your money back. Uh, please tell anyone else who might be coming to the social, I will be in touch or I'd get yeah. them in touch with me. Yeah. So in that sense, I, I had to go on social right. media and get that news out immediately before I could tell everybody. Like mm-hmm. I told my closest friends, hey, this is done. I told my family. Yeah. But beyond that, I can't pick up the phone and call every person I know. What, well, that's yeah. fair. What well, I think is, oh, go ahead, Jeff. I was going to say, I get disappointed when I, whenever I see uh, a female get engaged. I go, oh, she's off the market. <laughs> She's off my list now. Why didn't she call you? Forte, Forte, you're never out of chance. <laughs> Probably not. I can only wish, though. Oh, that did again. not go how I would thought that was going to go. That's tremendous. It's like as if he's got a list on his wall and he just X's it off, right? <sighs> With a sad face. With a sad face. What I think is the problem, though, is that when it's back to your original point, Greg, when it's not your news to share, I've seen a lot of people lose someone, a loved one dies and someone in that circle learns of it and immediately goes to Facebook to talk about how upset they are about the loss of this person without thinking, hang on, does the sister or the husband or the dad or the, you know, who, who, who all in the circle knows about yes. what happened or how that went down. And I, I quite regularly, I'll see someone say, apologies, I posted that too soon. Or you'll even see like a rest in peace hashtag going around. And I've seen people post below, they're not dead. They might be in hospital or in a coma or whatever, but that person isn't dead yet. And there's this, you know, it becomes a rumor mill and that's a really awful thing to have. Can you imagine that scenario where you hop on A, maybe they have passed away and you didn't know, and that's how you learn. That's a terrible thing. Mm -hmm. And then B, uh, if it's not true, there's something else happening there. Yeah, Ginny texting us saying, a cousin shared that my father passed away before we had a chance to tell those who needed to be told personally, Mm -hmm. not their news to share. Don says, friend of mine was dumped by his girlfriend via Facebook and not in a private message. They posted it on his wall. Oh, come on. That's just just harsh. That's nasty. Why would you do that? That's because some people are just crappy, Forte. (laughs) Some people are awful. That's horrible. I re- I remember I remember it wasn't posted on Facebook, but I remember uh, hearing somebody speaking at a seminar where they were in a lineup at Tim Hortons, and the guy was getting text dumped 
by his girlfriend. And, and funny, they were having a conversation about it in the lineup at Tim Hortons. Oh, my word. Really? Yeah. He's like, I'm being dumped over this double-double right now. Yeah, exactly. That's no good. Yeah. Oh, well, so, far the, so far, the poll on Instagram is 80% yes, at least send me a text. 20% say no. Things change as to whether or not you get annoyed mm. when you learn important news on social media. And uh, a lot of times, too, it could just be that you just don't have the energy to tell everyone you know. Yeah. Like I posted uh, last week my dad's getting open heart surgery on monday people had been asking me about it sending me messages so rather than reach out to all of them individually i just said look for those who are asking he's going in monday mm-hmm. and uh thank you for inc- your thank you for caring well sometimes it's a public service that's a way to let everybody know as quickly as possible yeah. and it's easier for you but right now we want to tell you about this story, Loren, that when you sh- first shared it with me yesterday, I, my jaw hit the floor. I thought, how can people be this awful? Yeah, this is a story of a Winnipeg artist who recently sold a painting at a show here in the city only to have the buyer of that painting slash and destroy it and then email him with a hateful note. But instead of responding with more hate, Franklin Fernando shared the story on Facebook as an example of how he believes love should come from something like this and nothing more. So Franklin is currently in Sri Lanka at the moment, and I spoke with him earlier this morning where he, I asked him to first describe what he painted and what was on it. Uh, it was uh, the Winnipeg Ledge, uh, legislative building, and um, the painting. Uh, and then I had a sign saying, uh, be aware of puppets. <laughs> what was your message behind it, or what was your intent? Um, my intent from that message is that, you know, governments are elected by people which means all of us, you know, and, and it's just not Canada. It's all around the world. Um, people make those decisions, and sometimes there are leaders in those high positions who are sometimes, you know, um, they're fooled and they're not brave, and uh, they've been attached to something for opportunistic people. So just I'm just uh, I'm using my art to give a message to the people to be aware. So a few weeks after the show, Franklin sold the painting for about $300, and then he got a note from the buyer, an email with pictures that showed how he had sliced through it with a knife and a message. I'm not going to read the whole thing because it contains some pretty vile language, but essentially the buyer writes to say this, quote, I'm sure this painting took you some time. I made the 300 bucks to buy it in about five minutes. I don't care about the money. I won't keep an N-words painting. It's not a color thing. It's a right thing. You are the puppet. And then that email ends with another swear word. We're going to share that story with you online within the next few hours, globalnews.ca, and it shows the pictures of the painting. But Franklin tells me that he was completely shocked when he felt the hate from that note. Uh, yeah, I mean, I mean, I would think about it all the time because as an artist, you know, I try to inspire more and more people um, and always think about that. But I mean, I wasn't expecting um, a response from this person that way, you know? No. Like, it was very shocking. I would not think that, you know, he would, you know, send me a very racist uh, email. So. Now, you've written back to him. Did he? Has he written, responded to your olive branch? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, I respond when he initially sent me that email. I, I, I was, I, you know, I was very angry. But at the same time, I realized, you know, um, it, I start to realize his fear and insecurities that he has, and so I wanted to. I invited him for coffee, you know. 
Like I just wanted to meet him and talk and see why he said and and kind of see if we can maybe get back together and maybe he might change his mind, you know. Has he agreed to meet you? <laughs> the reply was even worse. So I and I didn't felt um even sharing that because it was just even even rude, even more rude. And so I just felt that it's very unnecessary to follow up or even talk any further, you know, it's like waste of energy I felt. Mm. This you know what this so um first of all I'm very sorry for that that he followed up like that but it's so good of you to be responding the way you are which is in part why we're talking to you Franklin because I think it's tremendous that you would take hate and try to turn it into something else. Yeah, because I mean I I just think it's it's really important for me the the, the main thing I felt sharing this whole thing was because I just um I want to be and uh, like I feel like I want to use this as an example to stop hate from spreading from hate, you know? If someone is hating for who I am and then I'm hating them, I'm becoming that as well, you know? And and not long ago, like, uh, uh, an incident that really inspired me was uh, Jackmeet Singh, you know? Um, uh, from NDP, like, when um, one of those ladies who approached him and was, you know, calling him and doing hateful slurs and stuff, and he kept saying, we love you and we want to be part. And that was very inspiring, you know, that was very liberating. I felt, um, I felt very confident seeing that. And, and that's one of those, I, I felt that. And that's how I wanted to approach this type of situation. Because life is too short to hate someone. And I feel um, carrying hate is a burden, you know, and love is natural. When you first got that message, did you think about taking it to the police? Because it could have been reported as a hate crime, not only with the um, words, but with what he did to your painting. Yeah. Oh, yeah, of course. I mean, a lot of people from Winnipeg that supports me, like they want me to, you know, report it as a hate crime. And, and I'm just like, I, mean, I really don't know this person at all. What, what, what if this person is suffering from men- mental illness or, um, or if it's intentional? I just don't know. I don't want to into something and regret, you know, I wanted to see if I can, you know, resolve this issue. I mean, um, that, yeah, I just wanted to see if I could, but I mean, it seems that person don't want to. I mean, I don't know if I wanted to kind of press charges or go, uh, go ahead. I mean, you know, like I just feel I don't want to, I would not waste my time rather paint more inspir- inspirational things, you know. <laughs> So at this point, that was Franklin Fernando speaking with us from Sri Lanka. A slight delay there in that conversation. It's I think it's 12, 11 hours ahead over there. So at this point, he's not meeting with that person, the buyer for coffee, but says he's been overwhelmed with the support he's received on social media. He shared the story. He didn't even share the buyer's name in that story. He just said, this is what's happened to me. And I'm sharing it with you as an example of, A, the backlash that artists can also receive sometimes. But but B, also to tell you that I'm responding like this and I'm encouraging everybody else to do the same. And so he's loved the responses he's received and he's going to continue painting. I love the notion and the idea that he took into consideration what that individual who's sending him this hateful, this vile email might be going through in their life. That that's where his mind goes is this person might be dealing with depression or something, other situation in their life. And to consider that, to ponder that as a reason for 
why they're coming at him like that, I think it speaks volumes of, about the humanity of, of, of Franklin. It speaks to the importance of empathy and the, his message of life is too short to hate someone. That, Amazing. That, because I, you know, anytime I get angry for an extended period of time about anything, it just like it drains you. Yeah, it ravages my insides. Mm-hmm. And when I can just let it go, I feel so much better. And he's right. Life is way too short. There are way more important things to worry about than directing your energy because it takes tons of energy to, to be angry and to hate. Right. So that's just inspiring to hear his words. If you want to see his posts, we have shared them to the 680 CJOB Facebook page and our 680 CJOB Instagram story. If you want to see the pictures and read his full post. And again, we'll have more on this at CJOB.com later today. Go to Washington, D.C. now with Global's Jennifer Johnson. Good morning, Jennifer. Good morning, guys. This is uh, uneasy times uh, for those in the Middle East. Should it be uneasy times for those of us in North America this morning? Well, you know, it's certainly an escalation between the tensions uh, between the United States and Iran of the tensions between the United States and Iran. Uh, The president has made no secret that he has lost patience with the situation with the leaders in Iran. Um, Held this one close to his vest, though. He did speak to reporters on New Year's Eve and said he wanted peace in the region. He didn't want war. And then this airstrike was ordered and taken out last night. And, and you know, the huge uh, military leader in Iran was killed in this airstrike. Um, so it is concerning. It's certainly going to be an escalation in tensions. Certainly, uh, Iran is vowing revenge and harsh retaliation, so it'll be interesting to see what happens next. So it's, it is concerning. I know that uh, House Speaker Nancy Pelosi expected the president to brief Congress before taking out this military strike. He did not. Uh, so there's no way tensions in the Middle East. There's certainly more tensions here in Washington. Tell us a bit about this airstrike, if you can, and the target uh, in this killing and, and the significance of taking this top general, uh, and what, which is perhaps why Iran is responding with such harsh vitriol this morning. Well, the, this general is considered to be the top military leader in Iran. He's also, the U.S. believes, to be behind a number of strikes against U.S. and U.S. allies in the region over the period of decades. Um, so I, I believe this was a man that they wanted to target for some time. Uh, they took out a convoy that was near the Baghdad airport. He was in it as long as well as his, uh, second in command. Um, and it, you know, it's been an escalation of events starting December 27th when an American military contractor was killed and some U S service personnel were injured in a strike over in the Middle East, uh, blamed on Iran. And then there were the protesters outside the U.S. Embassy um, earlier this week. And that brought in 750, 800 Marines and other service members into Iraq. Um, and, you know, the president, as I said, has has made no bones about it. He has lost patience with the escalating tensions, um, tanker strikes that have gone on over the past year uh, in the region, and he took action. Jennifer, one of the first questions came to my mind. I'm seeing it asked all over the place. What was General Qasem Soleimani, head of Iran's elite force, doing in Iraq? 
Well, you know, that's, that is a big question. Um, Iraq is, is pretty unstable right now. And, um, there's great concern that Iran, there's, there's too many military people over in Iran. I mean, over in Iraq from Iran, um, uh, Soleimani apparently, well, according to the Pentagon, they say that he had been actively developing plans to attack U.S. diplomats and service members in Iraq and throughout the region that they had military intelligence of uh, some future attacks. And that's why it was necessary to target him and take him out because there were imminent attacks that U.S. intelligence um, claims it has. Now, we, you know, we, there has not been a, a Pentagon briefing yet this morning, so whether or not Mark Esper, the defense secretary, will have one, uh, I would say it's likely, but I don't know that, and you know, we'll see what more he, he has to say, you know, expanding on that. We've seen tweets from the Iran leader saying that essentially, you know, that they're going to respond uh, as powerfully as they can, that it will be harsh retaliation. Uh, what are we expecting actually that could look like? It has people this morning also just commenting on what the military capabilities might be in Iran and how that response could look like from this well, end. Yeah, I mean, I think that's the biggest question is how how they are going to seek revenge, how they're going to retaliate. Um you know, the President Hassan Rouhani did tweet after the news was confirmed that the great nation of Iran will take revenge for this heinous crime. The supreme leader, Ayatollah Khomeini, has also uh, said that, that the country is going to retaliate against the criminals whose filthy hands spilled his blood. Uh, you know, it'll be interesting to see what kind of bombings ensue from Iran on this. But, you know, the president has built up the U.S. military over the past couple of years. The funding has been enormous, and he has shown that he will take severe action if um, countries retaliate. So it is very concerning that there'll be an increased in tension, increase in military action, not just tensions, military action, and, and this, you know, this will get very, very ugly in Iran and Iraq. Yeah, so when you see, like Greg mentioned, World War III being talked about on Twitter, uh, there might be an initial reaction to say, well, come on, like, really? But listening to what you're saying, this does sound like this. there could be some serious stuff that we need to worry about. Yeah, there has been virtually zero diplomatic talks between these two countries uh, for a long time. I mean, Mike Pompeo has tried, the Secretary of State, um, but nothing has really you know, resulted in things settling down, that the tanker strikes, I mean, and the, you know, the U.S. has responded a number of times in the past year, and nothing seems to be slowing down Iran, and, you know, things could get, things could get very ramped up here, and I think people are very concerned, and um, this is a president who has shown that he doesn't go to Congress if he wants to increase military strikes, if you, you know, conduct, if you will, a mini-war so he, I would say that people are, are uh, very concerned. I mean, Nancy Pelosi has been tweeting all morning about this, that Congress needs to be informed, that the president needs to go to Congress. She needs to be briefed as, as well as the leaders of the Senate. Um, that has not happened. And so it is concerning. And, you know, the president has other things on his plate. This is a huge, huge distraction for Americans that are going to look to this 
and be concerned about this and not think about impeachment in an impeachment trial, which is supposed to be happening in January. Global Washington's Jennifer Johnson joining us live on 680 CJOB. Jennifer, thank you very much for this. Much appreciated. Thank you, guys. Have a good day. Phone lines are open at 204-780-6868. We have two tickets up for grabs for the Winnipeg Renovation Show at the RBC Convention Center, January 10th to the 12th. Just think of all the stuff you could do renovations-wise if you won that $70 million. You could buy, like, God... 20, 30, 40 houses and renovate them all to your heart's delight. That Spend- would be that would be fun. Yeah. No, it would? I feel like it'd be oh, so yes, stressful. I guess if it's you don't have to worry about the money, then yes, yes, it would be fun. And you could do different versions of different homes. Like, oh, now you've got my juices like, flowing. do like one that's and one that's like high, you know, all glass and one that's dug in the ground. You could okay. do a bunker. I'm one changing the ground. My, I'm changing my mind now I'm, about this three million magic number. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you could uh, you could build Bag End for those who are in Lord of the Rings. Uh, you know, exactly. the, the hobbits. Exactly. Oh, a treehouse, like a great like connecting Ewok situation. Oh my God, Loren McNabb is on fire right now. Yes. They have one of those. There's a place you can I've stay on Vancouver Island, just like that. Oh, I went to it when I was in Vancouver. What is it, Capilano? Capilano Suspension yes, Bridge. I, all I could think of was the Ewoks. Okay, Brett, go. <laughs> okay, so Marie is on the line at 204-780-6868. Hi, Marie. Good morning. So here's the question, all right? Okay. What part of a home remodel can you do without much experience to save a little money? Is it framing? Is it demolition? Or is it finishing work? I'm going to say demolition. Ding, 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 ding. Congratulations, Marie. Perfect. That, I, like, I like the sound of that because they, they say Brett when, when Brett gets mad, Brett smash. You'd be ideal on the demolition crew. I, I can't do framing. I don't even know what that means. <laughs> I don't know what finishing work means. <laughs> but I can, I can smash a hammer through a wall. Marie, what's your last name? Carpenter. Oh, oh, yes! Yes! <laughs> Brilliant! I'm not kidding. Marie Carpenter, congratulations. <laughs> you won tickets for the Winnipeg Renovation oh. Show. She just had, she should have just phoned and said that. She should get three tickets. Like she's the sure ID. Uh, yeah, Carpenter here. Hello. <laughs> Marie, I'm going to put you on hold. Jeff Forte is going to get your details <laughs> off here. That is outstanding. Going to the RBC Convention Center January 10th to the 12th. It's Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb, and math. Yes, we're going to talk about math, and it's going to be fun. I don't know that we might you, that might blow your mind in con, in some context. Like, oh come on, I hated math. No, you're going to love math after this conversation because we're talking about mathopoly, Greg Mackling. Yeah, Will Penner's uh, become a friend of the station. We've just discussed the desire of parents to help their kids with homework, I think, in every subject over the last year or so. Several challenges, I think, we're finding to being that in-house tutor. And at the top of the list is the lack of ability to help once your kids get to that certain level of math. But Loren, would you agree that grade three isn't supposed to be where the ability to help ends? Well, our next guest kindly brought in some games to show how kids can have fun. And he said, the cards I'm looking at are for my kids' age groups. And I just 
said off air, are you sure? <laughs> because I'm trying to figure out some of the answers. And it's crazy how you forget if you don't do these things regularly. And I'm not just talking about simple addition and subtraction, but, you know, one is asking me to figure out the area of a rectangle. And I was like, oh, uh, how did how you do, do, do that, that again? <laughs> so that's that's fascinating. And it's a good example of what we need to think about when we're helping, trying to help our kids. Yeah, Will Penner is a math teacher and the creator of Mathopoly, a board game which helps kids. And dare I suggest their parents learn more about math. Great to see you as always, Will. Thanks yeah, for this. Awesome. It's great being here again. So new math, I think, is is a conversation that gets you know thrown around quite a bit. Terminology that uh, I'm sometimes uneasy with. So let's just jump into that, right? Is there such a thing as new math? Are kids being taught how to get the right answer differently than, say, you and I were back in the day? Sorry to use that. Yeah, no, last night I actually went and looked up again uh, the whole term of new math, and it's been around since 2014 in terms of arguments for it. And um, there seems to be a lot of discovery math where um, we're asking students um, to discover their answers instead of just basic facts, hard-nosed sort of worksheets and 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 trying to get them to memorize uh, their facts. Um, and so I think the whole... Uh, premise of discovery math has its valid points for sure. Um, but I think we've, I shouldn't say we, but I think that math has become a little bit more wordy than it needs to be. Can you and give us an example just for those who are out there? I, I'm just getting into this now and I'm, it might be hard to explain for radio, but for example, if the equation is just five times five, right. and I would have memorized that years ago in a times table, sure, and I might have been taught it's five groups of five yep. and, and do the math. What are kids doing now in some of their workbooks? Well, there might not be workbooks, first of all, right? It might be a conversation that teachers are having with their students. And uh, I was telling Greg off air before, you know, I've seen um, some YouTube videos where uh, there'll be some teachers having conversations where they'll say, well, what does what does a five look like, right? And now the students are, are kind of like, what? And so they have to come up with... What does a five look like to them? And um, it might be five groups of one. Um, it might be a number that's below six. It might be a number that's between zero and ten. Oh, I thought you physically meant like it kind of looks like a snake with some sharp well, edges. And you'll, and you'll get that too, for sure, with younger kids, for sure. I think I think the whole discovery math is, is looking at maybe a picture and then trying to figure out um, an answer to a, a question through that picture instead of just saying, what is five times five? Right. And um, and I think sometimes things get lost uh, in terms of memorization or just knowing those basic facts. But the goal was to is, from my understanding, is to get the kids to think about how they got to that. How do they get to that conclusion and working it out as opposed to just, well, I know the answer is 25, but I don't know how I got there. Right. And I I think I think that's valid. I, I think we do need to discover how. We do get to certain answers, especially when it comes to estimation, a guesstimation, um, figuring out um, things later on in, in later years in math. Um, but I still think that there is um, a lack of numbers in math sometimes, um, especially at the elementary and, and early junior high years. Do you ever get the sense that when that five times five, if we're going to just use that as our basic equation this morning, uh, that sometimes no matter what grade – that might be the first time, or it looks like that's the first time that student has ever seen that equation and that they're calculating it every single time as opposed to recognizing it. Absolutely. And, and, and is that a lost art? Yeah, no, I think it is. I think it's fair to say. I mean, I've seen it too where I'll ask, you know, what seven times six is, and I'll ask that repeatedly, and then I'll ask what six times seven is. 
or what 42 divided by 6 is? And it's a whole new question. Instead of them knowing, well, I know that 7 groups of 6 equals 42, so 6 groups of 7 will equal 42, meaning that 42 divided into 7 groups is going to be 6. But I And I don't remember not having those conversations 45 years ago, I think we had those discussions about what the what the number looked like in terms of six groups of seven right. and five groups of five. I think we talked about all that stuff back when we were growing up and we were learning this. So this discovery math is just taking that to a whole other level or, or what is the intention here? <sighs> Greg, it's a great question. I, I don't know what the intention is. I think it's just to get students to think outside the box. Right to look at math not just as just as numbers or just as worksheets or just as questions, but to have them uh, maybe put a math question into a real life situation and they can figure it out from there. Which I think all kids want. Absolutely, and, and that's I, the biggest pushback I get from my kids when it comes to science and math is, well, how am I going to use this in my real life? So I don't think there's there's any disadvantage right. to, to showing them how it, it might work and, and be advantageous to know how to figure this out. I think, I think what the, the thing that um, we have to remember is that we can get anything off the internet. So if I'm looking at how to solve an algebraic equation or if I'm looking at how to change the oil in my car, I can look that up on YouTube <clears throat> or I can read about it. Um, the one thing that I think is, is lacking is that inside a classroom we're still just the YouTube channel. We're not actually doing a hands-on approach. We're not um, playing games that are educational. We're not doing projects in math. Um, so I think that gets lost on the kids because the kids can look up any question they want on Google um, and, and watch any video. But it's once the teacher allows them to do a project in the classroom, I think that's when the like really goes on. And then now they can apply these things into a real life situation. It might depend on the class. There's definitely games in my kids' class. And I know they're working hard to do it. It might depend on the teacher. It might depend on the school. Um, but I think the hard part is, so if you're sitting here listening to this or you're that mom or dad that's struggling with your kids, then what do you do? Because you can't, uh, do we fight the curriculum? I don't think that's the answer because there's pluses and minuses to both sides of it, right? And so how do I, how do I figure out, like I've, I physically have gone to my kids' teachers and been, sorry, just walk me through like how you're doing this. And I know it's grade three, but I am not there. So, and I, and that's, that's helpful. And they're respectful of that. They're great about it actually. But then when I get home, I like the kids, I forget. And they're like, "Uh Oh, I forgot how to do this again. So what's my, because I can't be teaching them my old ways if they have to do it a certain way. Right. I mean, I, but I think, I think it's fair to teach um, a student in different ways too. I, I don't think that's a bad thing for a, for a mom or for a, for a dad or an uncle, whoever it is, teaching that student um, a specific um, method on figuring out an answer. I don't think there's a wrong way to do it. Um, and, and I think that's not every student learns the same way either. So if they're hearing it a certain way from a, from a teacher or from a student, another student, a friend of theirs, or even taking it home, I think they have to see it in different ways as well. So I don't think it's a bad thing. <clears throat> Sorry. Um, to take it home um, and learn how to do it in a different way or see it done in a different way. Now, this discovery math, is, is was it designed or created? Because you said some kids learn differently. There's always kids who struggle with math. So is the idea maybe to make it easier for those students and still make it accessible for others, at least intentionally? Yeah, I think, I think you're right. I, I, th- I don't know if it's necessarily easier. I think it's just a different way of looking at, at things, right? Um, I think years ago, like Greg said, you know, 40 years ago, 30 years ago, even 10 years ago, um, we, would, we would look at a concept, 
we would do a few examples on the board, right? And then we would do a worksheet or we would do 20 questions for homework. And um, to me, that's not engaging at all. Um, so now I think they're just trying to open it up and trying to make kids' eyes open a little bit different to different ways of trying to figure out certain answers or certain methods to figure out certain concepts. So having fun. Obviously, uh, Mathopoly, uh, my kids love Monopoly now. I don't mm-hmm. know why they love it. It's like a, such a long game to play. But I get that they are learning a ton about different concepts, about how to negotiate, how to calculate uh, different situations when you got to pay tax. And we don't need to get into all the rules of, of Monopoly. But in terms of Mathopoly, you're trying to make math fun so so it'll stick a little better for kids yeah i'm trying to make it engaging is what it is um and because it hits all four strands in 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 math um you're getting different questions at every single turn uh there's no gimmies at all uh it starts with the roll of dice where you're doing integers um you get credit for your your segments that you're landing on um all your i'm going to use the word rent it's not rent but all your fees are paid derived through that mathematical equation so it's not just a gimme at any point um, and I've used it for over 10 years. What's an integer again? Well, you can have a positive or negative Thank integer. You. <laughs> Thank you. Okay. That All clears right. it up. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's kind of. It's I a don't number. Know. It's just, you, it's so funny, the terms that you've just thrown out of your head. I think some of the things we have to do with the game, too, if you if you look at the board, you've got real-world examples of where it'll come in, too, and you can explain to kids, like, you would use that if you had X job, you could use that if you had Y job. If you ever wanted to build uh, a, a table a, in your sure, garage, deck, yeah. right? Like you're going to need to know A, B, and C. And the more you can say that to somebody, because otherwise you grow up to be a full adult that's like, I didn't pay attention and now I legitimately can't right. do very basic things. Yeah, I mean, one of the biggest, one of the bigger projects that we do in January is um, we do, we hit Pythagorean's theorem, which is a, you know, the three, four, five rule, right? So, um, we start, sorry. <laughs> a squared plus B squared sure. equals C squared. Yeah. Yeah, sure it is. Yeah. Okay. So we, we, we build giant zip lines and we try to create zip lines, right? Which is the hypotenuse and, and see what would be, um, you know, a death trap. What would be too soft for a, for a ride for a zip line? And we use eggs. And, and so we try to use, uh, situations where some of my students might eventually, or, or are thrill seekers, but might eventually want to build a zip line, right? Even in their backyard. Or build a deck, which is something you always use the three, four, five rule for as well, because you need to square it off. So there are different applications that you can use for Pythagorean's theorem or for area or perimeter or anything like that. You just have to take the time to make sure that you can put it into a real life situation so these kids can actually see it and go, right, now I understand it. It's not about your job even. I can't think of how many times I have to bring my husband into the conversation and be like, I've measured this, but you're going to need to do it again, right? And so it's about just life skills. It's not necessarily even your career skills. Hey, thanks for listening to the Start Podcast. We are available on Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, wherever you find your favorite podcasts. Subscribe now and never miss an episode. And if you like what you hear, rate the show, tell us what you think, and hey, even tell a friend about the podcast. Be sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Greg is at GMACWPG. That's G-M-A-C-K-W-P-G. I am at Brett McGarry, B-R-E-T-T-M-E-G-A-R-R-Y. And Loren on Twitter is at McNab on Global and on Instagram at McNab on CJOB. Talk soon.